and welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF Research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roach. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about NPS, about how people use it and how customers answer it. Yeah, I came across an interesting factoid this week. NPS is, uh, has become an adult. It's 18 years old. And that is terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, probably like, uh, and it's it's certainly grown up and been through adolescence, and it's probably it's probably going on to the next stage of its life. In fact, well, NPS three even, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think um, Frederick's released a new book, hasn't he? Which you're halfway through reading. Uh, yes, he certainly has, and, and I certainly am. Yeah, so the book is winning on purpose, um, uh, and so far I'm really liking actually. There's a uh, a lot of things I'm sort of nodding along to um, with really Fred's kind of reservations about the way NPS is, is being used at the moment. Um, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of what you're saying resonates very strongly with with what we think, really, and, and some of the things we've said on this podcast. Yeah, and I think through all his articles, he, he definitely has this desire to do things the right way. And it's not about a score. And that would be one of the arguments that, that he says is wrong. It's become about the score. Well, Absolutely. it's not the score is it, 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 part of a greater thing. Talking about the score, came across um, quite an interesting piece of feedback that, that, that was offered to, to, to one of our colleagues after they'd had their cable TV installed, where they were forewarned in an official letter that they were going to be asked for a recommend score um, somewhere down the line. And interestingly, which, you know, which is absolutely fine, but they actually gave some really helpful advice in terms of advising people how to score the MPS question, he says with sarcasm, that um, if you were happy with the service you received, this is how you should score the MPS. You should recommend nine and 10. Um, if you weren't happy, um, you should score it naught to six. And um, not saying that's gaming, but it was quite interesting that they were advising people on the link between the satisfaction of their experience and how to score the recommend question. What's your views on that, Mr. Hampshire? It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it, to me, it's really clearly distorting the way people are going to answer the question so from a from a sort of pure research point of view it's clearly introducing the potential for a bias and, and as always with these things you, you don't know for sure what bias it has or it hasn't introduced but as soon as you've introduced that potential then you know with a sort of researcher hat on that's got to be the wrong thing to do and I think there's a you can really understand the reasoning behind that because I, I think people internally can get very frustrated that a customer who doesn't understand in, in sort of quote marks how how the system works will be quite happy and give an eight and that doesn't feel fair because because they're you know they're really quite happy and they give an eight but but actually that's baked into the system isn't it like eight is a level of happiness that is doesn't necessarily translate to much in the way of very positive loyalty behaviors and that's why it's a passive not a promoter that's that's the whole point so if you're persuading people who are emotionally eights to give you a nine uh, so that that counts as a good thing, then you're distorting the the measure. Yeah, I, I I think as well, it comes back to one of those challenges that you always have when you deliver research internally about what can I do to make this score better? I genuinely am trying to do a good job. And, you know, and we get that all the time and you get that in highly 
operational event-driven research about how can I make this better I genuinely want to do and then that gets a little bit more complicated when you're being judged on a bigger scale about recommendation and particularly if you're measuring me on it Stephen scoring me on it why I can't control even more things now because I just do the event bit and I'm doing my job well and someone isn't recommending me because of something way out of my control and that feels a bit unfair it is and it's it's the wrong way to use the score and the system to be honest um and this is something something we've talked about quite a, a few times recently i'd I, i've got this uh, kind of new analogy that i quite like of a, of a nest of close of loops to close and if nps is only focused on that smallest loop you know you, Greg, let down this customer, and therefore you're doing a bad job. Yeah. Then it's missing the the, the more sy- systemic view. You know what what are the reasons that that customer is not happy, and and that might be something to do with what you did. But even if it is to do with what you did, what you did is working within a system that affects the decisions you've made, the behaviours you showed the customer, and there's all these wider things that need to be addressed. Turning it into a, that very, very sort of low-level closed-loop system where everything is your fault, as the you know the person who dealt with that customer, is what well, is obviously wrong when you sort of step back and think about it, and it's it's wildly ineffective. But the the result is the NPS becomes something that people fear and dislike rather than embrace as a useful tool to help them do a good job for customers, which is what it should be, and what it was designed to be and uh, you know we've talked uh, you know off air about you know the the enriching of lives with customers and mm-hmm. staff and 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 uh, uh, adding value to, to society in, in terms of some of the things that, that that fred was trying to get out of mps and it is i mean i've, I've had clients as well who where we do face-to-face interviews with saying can you explain how the mps score works to a customer when you're interviewing them and and you're thinking no just let them give you a score and we'll explore why they've given that score. That's where the learning It's such is. a revealing request, isn't it? Because it that, the thing you, you said at the beginning, really, like, are you after a higher score or are you after a happier customer? Because doing that explanation might get you a higher score, but it's not going to make the customer feel any different. So <laughs> if, you're, if what you're really interested in is a happier customer doing things that will, will make you more money, then you don't want to push the score up artificially. You want to figure out what's causing the customer mm. to feel the way they do. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is that sense of fairness. But again, that's slight. Well, it's just the wrong measure for what they're trying to get at, at, you know, at at that moment. In terms of sort of MPS scoring, um, I know you've done some stuff on our our panel because one of the things MPS is becoming quite a well-known measurement and its calculation is becoming quite well-known. And um, second factoid of the week is that two-thirds of the Fortune 500 companies use it as a measurement. So there are a lot of people out there who understand how it's calculated. Mm -hmm. And you've got some really interesting figures in terms of, again, does that perhaps alter the way that people answer the question yeah and the, the the short answer is yes it does so and, and i so, guess intuitively so, sorry, sorry Stephen, just just let me pause there let's just pause on that yes it does <laughs> that's not great yeah and I, I well i do think intuitively we as individuals 
probably know that. You know, if, if we work in the industry, we use NPS all the time, perhaps we get an NPS about ourselves. When you get an NPS, or when, when a survey comes through with the recommend question on it, we probably automatically do the little thing in my head going, oh, do I want to be a promoter, do I want to be a detractor? And as I mentioned before, that's kind of biasing the response we give. Mm. I'm not giving a score out of 10 anymore. I'm deciding whether I want to be a promoter or a passive or a detractor. Yeah, I feel I should say something about that because it's, it's very interesting and, and we all do it. But I think it's probably beyond our industry, isn't it? There's a lot of people who understand how it's calculated mm. and you can feel yourself mentally doing it. You can feel yeah. yourself saying, what message am I trying to send to this organisation? And I, without a shadow of a doubt, I, I think, well, do you know what? I think I'm going to put myself as a six because I just want to appear as a detractor on their chart because it wasn't great. Yeah, Perhaps I'd have given it a seven or eight if I hadn't really had that thought, but I want to send a message. I mean, just from the stats we've got on the panel, yeah, you know, it's not it's not a vast... You know, t- looking at the population as a whole, it's basically one in four knows what NPS is or has kind of heard of NPS. And it comes down to 10% say that they change their score because of... of you know, ten percent of the whole population is saying that they changed their score in an NPS survey because of it. Positively or negatively changed their score, or just both. Changed their score. Um, funnily enough, yeah. So right. So, um, so what we see is that people are. Some people are more likely to score a nine or ten. Some people are less likely to score a nine or ten. And those are the most. That, that's, that's the most common effect. It's kind of at that passive promoter boundary. Right. A small number of people say they're more likely to score not to six. So that's a less likely effect, if you like. So yeah, the the majority of the work is around that sort of passive promoter boundary, it's, and it can go a bit either way. It's the eight to nine, it's, mm. it's or nine to eight. And what's really interesting about the figures, though, I think, is yes, it's only ten percent overall, if you like, who are change, who say they're changing their score as a result of knowing how NPS works. But that rises to nearly a third of people twenty five to thirty four, uh, and I think that shows you that when you know, when you look at the splits by age younger people so people who are you know sort of probably in the kind of job or more likely to be in the kind of job where the more exposed to it or about them you know perhaps working in the call center that sort of thing uh, are much more likely to know about it so you know half of them know what nps is and a third of them say that it affects the score they give so that's you know really we should should be a bit worrying i think but you know particularly if if you're looking at customers who are you know in that kind of 25 to 34 uh, age bracket they're really likely to know what mps is and you know quite likely to allow it to affect their score it's really interesting that and probably something organizations should be aware of when using it as as as, as a measurement but but in terms of i think mps is just a really good example of a common thing in terms of you have to have the right metric in terms of what you're trying to measure and if you have an mps is, is is you know recommend is the best loyalty question it's certainly one of the best you know you know loyalty questions you can have particularly in sort of consumer market and using it to understand recommendation is exactly the right thing to do but like any measurement if you're measuring something but trying to use it for something else, perhaps operational performance or satisfaction or a different one, there's a better metric to use for those, you know, for those things. And, and, and perhaps one of the things is MPS has been overused in the wrong places because it's because it is so benchmarkable, good, easy to e- 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 easy to understand. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always seemed to me that NPS is a really good strategic measure so how how are our customers feeling about us and how are they therefore likely to behave 
it, it to me it, it feels strange as a tactical measure and that and the reason for that is because i i don't just thinking about myself i don't recommend a business based on one interaction i base my recommendation on all of the interactions that i can remember um and probably other stuff as well so it's mm, there'll be image knocking around in there indeed. there'll be lots and lots of other things knocking around in there so to me it, it, you know that that idea of kind of transactional nps has always struck me as odd um and it's a bit of an artificial question you know based on that interaction how likely would you be to recommend well, i don't know how to answer that because mm. i wouldn't I would take it on all my interactions. Yeah, yeah. Well, it might be really interesting next podcast to do a bit of a review of um, uh, Fred's new book and 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 see where he, you know, see, you know, see where he sees this eighteen-year-old measurement, um, that you know, the next steps, um, and how it can make organisations better, and and what he's learnt about it on the plus side and and the negative, but very much on the plus side over the last eighteen years. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there to, to talk about. Not to say that NPS is is bad by any means, but to say you know we're we're building these systems and we're building them so that we can make customers' lives better and make us you know sustainably profitable businesses. Yeah. And I think to me, to do that right, we need to take that step away from the kind of operational obs- obsession of you know closing that loop, closing that loop, closing the loop. Yeah. Step back and take a bigger picture view. How is this making us money as a business? So finding those financial links so that we can make that argument to the FD that the FD uh, accepts that you know this is paying off. Um, and I think Raquel's new concept of the sort of earned growth rate is, is really important for that. And then using that operational measure, not in such a reactive way, but in a more a more positive way, of saying, well, how can we improve that customer experience at the front line? How can we make our people at the front line look forward? to hearing the results of the customer survey instead of dreading it. And I think that's a really important um, thing to get right. Yeah. I think one of the absolute best things about MPS, without a shadow of a doubt, if two thirds of the Fortune 500 companies have it, and you know the work we do it, you know, it, it, in the UK, we see how many people have it. The fact that there is a measurement, perhaps a bit inaccurate perhaps a bit biased perhaps you know with all the little things that measurements come in but the fact there is a measurement that is so widely used is just great for putting the customer experience at the most senior levels and perhaps at the lower levels where perhaps it shouldn't be but they put it, it, it's just great that there is something there that so many people have latched onto in terms of trying to understand how customers feel. Yeah, I agree. It has become a de facto standard, hasn't it? Love it or loathe it, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, I think that'll probably wrap us up today. As as Greg mentioned, we'll we'll come back to review Fred's uh, book in a future episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you're using iTunes, please subscribe, rate and review us. And if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at TLF Research or at tlfresearch.com. Have a good day, everyone.